Be brave. Two easy words to say, but the most difficult words sometimes for us to actually live out, right? So we've been in a series called Everyday Courage, and we have looked at people of the past and people of our history and of our faith to see the everyday moments of faith they were encouraged to take or they were put in position to take, and the moments that we think we could never stand in or be in because when we look back at those moments, it feels like there was a documentary and reporters and cameras there waiting for them to take their big step. But in reality, they took that step not knowing that anybody else was watching, not knowing that anybody else would care or even remember. And you and I are put in those same positions every single day, whether or not we will stand in faith and courage for our God that has been so faithful to us, or whether we will shrink back in that moment and say, I don't know if you're worthy, I don't know if you're capable, I don't know if you're sovereign, I don't know if you're powerful enough to overcome the circumstance that is facing me in this moment. And so sometimes it's easy for me to just cower back in fear instead of take a step forward in faith and courage. And so today we come to another story kind of in the history of uh, the past of the people of our faith. And what we're going to do today is a little bit different. We're going to combine this message and the story of these young men with a song that we have sung that's been written for us to sing and to see how those two weave together to see the depth of the song that is built and based on the foundation of Scripture. And unfortunately, I I may leave out your favorite line in this song. If we went through every detail of every line, we would be here for days because of the richness that's found in this. And this is why we sing songs like this. We sing songs that are based in the foundation of the Word of God that encourages us and builds our faith that even though sometimes when we don't have Scripture in front of us, we get a chance to sing from our hearts and from our mouths and from our minds, this is who God is, this is who He's calling me to be, and this is the faithfulness He has showed and displayed to be. And so we find ourselves this morning kind of back where we were with the people of God in the Old Testament. And The people of Israel and and the Hebrew and Israelite people, the Jewish people, they have different names as they go through the course of their life and their history. But they have ridden this roller coaster of faithfulness and disobedience and following away to idolatry and chasing after other things. And then understanding and realizing they're at a point where they have to confess and repent and turn back to God because they've chased after things they should not have and things, honestly, that didn't satisfy and fulfill in the way they hoped they would. And so they're on this roller coaster over and over and over again. And God had promised to them that he would give them a land that they could possess of their own. It was called the promised land. And he gave this promise back in Genesis at the beginning of Scripture to a man named Abraham that he would make his people a great people. They would become a great nation. And they would occupy this land and it would be through them that God would bring the Messiah for the salvation of the world. And so they have possessed this land for 800 years. For a little over 800 years they've been in this place but they have been unfaithful, they've been disobedient, they have not walked with God in the way they were supposed to. They had not conquered the land, they had not eradicated the, the land of the people that were enemies of God, and so they walked back into this roller coaster ride, just like you and I, of faithfulness and disobedience, faithfulness and disobedience. And in this part of scripture and history, they find themselves in that season of disobedience of saying, God, we got this. We're in the land. We can take care of ourselves. We have all the necessary means available to us. We can provide for ourselves and we don't need anything else. And so God in his way sometimes brings tragedy in our lives because the thing that matters most is not the tangible things we can acquire, but the relationship we can have with a God who has come down to save and to rescue us. And so God sends the the power of the day Babylon. 
and their king Nebuchadnezzar to come and attack and destroy the land and destroy the people and remove them out of the promised land where God had said, this is where you will dwell and I will dwell with you here. To remove them and pull them out of this land and to put them in Babylon in captivity and in slavery. And in Daniel chapter 1, it captures for us the, the early part of their story. And I want to read parts of this. We're going to read a lot of scripture today, but we're going to do that because we want to see that this song and our faith is built on the word of God. And so Daniel chapter 1 verse 3, it says this, Then the king, who is Nebuchadnezzar, commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. He continues, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They, would, they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. And among them, among these faithful young men, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief came, the chief of the eunuchs came to them and he gave them new names. Daniel would be called Belteshazzar, Hananiah would be called Shadrach, Mishael would be called Meshach, and Azariah, he would be called Abednego. And so what King Nebuchadnezzar understood is that a lot of times if you want to change a culture, you want to change a people, you start with the young generation, you start with the most influential. And so King Nebuchadnezzar grabbed all of these young, skillful, bright-eyed faithful, healthy young men. And he brought them into his chambers and he gave them the king's food. And he taught them all the literature, not of the Hebrew faith and not of the one true almighty God, but he taught them literature, wisdom, knowledge, culture, and religion of the Babylonian gods, trying to shift their thinking. And in doing so would eradicate their culture and destroy their religion because if this young generation grows up, and they begin to think a different way outside of the ways of God, then they would be so influential that they would change the course and the path and the understanding and the belief of the people who were to follow after God. And so the king gave them these special favors. He gave them royal food while everybody else had to struggle with whatever was left. And so he was trying to draw them in and bring them in. He gave them this food so that they could be with him and be a part of him. They could have this special position in his court. And so they were in this place of where they were given this food. And Daniel makes this request. He comes to the eunuch, the chief eunuch, and says, I don't want the king's food. I know the king has given a special favor, but I don't want that food. And so I'm asking for a special grace in this moment. Daniel is enslaved and in captivity. Even though the king has brought him forward and said, you're special, I want to do something through you, Asking this and making this request was such a great step of courage because in an instant, Daniel could have lost his head. And so he asks for a special grace from the eunuch and honestly, a special grace from God. There's a grace when the heart is Another way when the walls are closing. When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, 
And so these young men were placed in a near impossible situation. Acquiesce to the king's request. Eat his food. Learn his religion. Be taught by his leaders. Change their thinking. And they could acquiesce to the king and they would save their lives. But they knew that in doing so, in submitting to another culture and another religion, another people, another way of thought, would cost them the most important thing they ever had was their relationship to and their commitment to their God who has been so faithful to them time and time and time again. And you and I have those similar moments. We have those similar circumstances. We have those decisions in life where we will acquiesce to current culture. We will give way to the current way of thought. We will offer ourselves to other values and cultures that are not appropriate and are not faithful to the God who's been so faithful to us. And so the song says, when the walls are closing in, and when the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, we know what that reckoning is. We've had those moments where we used to be, where things were comfortable, where things were easy, when we were living in our own land, in our own day, in our own time, when life was good, when we weren't forced into this position of making a choice or making a stand or having to take a step of courage. We know what that place was. And we know what the reckoning is too. We know what it means to take that step of faith. We know if we take that step of courage and we don't lie on that report, We know that that reckoning that stands for us is the possibility of the lost promotion or maybe even loss of job. Because that reckoning for us of stepping forward into that moment and and being brave and having courage means that we may face uncertainty. We may face loss. We may stand alone by ourselves. And we may find ourselves in a position we never hoped or thought or dreamed we would be. But we all face those moments when those walls are closing in on us. And we have a choice to make. How will we stand? What will we do? What will we believe in? And honestly, the reckoning scares us to death. Because you have to think that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just wanted life to go back the way it was before. To be back in their homeland, back in the promised land, back taking care of sheep and cattle, back living life the way they had intended and God had designed for them to. Going back to when people were faithful and walking with God instead of chasing after other things. That if we could just go back, all of us would like to rewind history and make a different decision. But we find ourselves in between this space because we didn't or maybe God allowed something to happen. And you just wish it could go back the way it was. But you can't. 
And you're in this moment and in this space and it won't go away. And so what do we do? Do we acquiesce to the culture? Or do we take a step of courage into our relationship with God and what we know he's calling us to? And the great thing as the song continues is there is grace for us. When our heart is under fire, when our heart is under pressure, when we feel like we got knocked in the gut and life has thrown us a loop and we don't know how we're going to make it or how we're going to breathe or how we're going to take a next step or where we're going to find the money or if anybody will ever love us again. There is grace in that moment when our heart is heavy and it feels like there is no way out because God promises, even though your heart may fail, even though your strength may fade, even though you don't know how this is going to work out or what you're going to do, that there is a grace for you and I will be the one to provide the grace for you and that grace is, is me. That grace is me standing with you, walking with you, holding you, never leaving you alone, which is what Psalm 73 says, that even though my heart and my flesh may fail, even though it may disappear and even though I don't know what to do in this space because I know the reckoning is coming for me, the decision I have to make, the moment of decision for me, it scares me to death and I don't know what to do. And so my flesh is failing. I will acquiesce to culture if it's up to me. I will give way to whatever makes me feel comfortable, that keeps me out of danger, that pushes me back away from the edge. I will do that. But even though my heart and my flesh may fail, God is my strength. God is my portion forever and ever and ever because he promised he would not leave me alone. And so these young men choose to remain true. They choose to remain faithful. They choose to walk into and step into that moment of reckoning because their faith with God is more important than what might happen to them if they decide not to follow the king. And so there seemed to be no way out for this young man and, and his friends, but God provides this grace for him in a way that was completely unsurprising and that we did not see coming. And God does this because in Hebrews chapter 3 and over and over and over again throughout Scripture, he promises us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you alone. I will never send you into a place that I'm not willing to go honestly before you and with you, behind you and preparing the way and walking with you and carrying you in that moment when you cannot walk, take a step or carry yourself. And God says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And the song continues, because we all need this, we all have these moments. Should I ever need to be reminded? When we're in that space in between where we wish we could go back to the way it was and the reckoning that is coming for us when we take that step of courage, when we take that step of faith, all of us need to be reminded. And the song says, if I ever need reminding of how you set me free in this moment that it seemed to be no way, it seemed to be impossible, the reminder for us is there is a cross that bears the burden. There is a Savior who stretched out his arms and carried our sin and buried it deep for us. That he died in our place. That we won't die in this moment, in this reckoning, in this decision. We won't die because God will stand in strength and faith for us because Christ died on our behalf and the cross is our reminder. If we ever need to be reminded, the cross stands there for us. And so Daniel stands in this understanding of God's faithfulness. And Daniel makes a request. Now remember, Daniel's enslaved. Nobody in slavery makes a request. Daniel's faith in God is so strong 
that he makes a request to the eunuch. He says, don't give us this food. Don't give us the food that you're planning to give everybody else. Don't give it to us. Give us vegetables and water and test us after 10 days. And Daniel had this faith because John chapter 14, verse one says, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be fearful of the moment. Do not be fearful of the decision, of the reckoning, of what faces you and stands in front of you. Because if you believe in God, you can also believe in me. And so Daniel had faith in his God. And he said, King, test us separately. Give them all the meat and all the steak and all the potatoes. You just give us vegetables and water. And after 10 days, I want you to test us. I want you to see who is fatter, who is stronger, who is healthier. And if you've ever been on one of those low-carb, high-protein, vegetable-and-water diets, you know those first 10, 10 days, all the water and the muscle leave you, and there is nothing of strength and fat for a few days. And so Daniel makes this choice and makes this decision because he had faith that God could do what seemed to be impossible. And after 10 days, they returned back, and they found Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They found them to be stronger. They found them to be fitter to be healthier, to be wiser, to be more intellectual, to be more knowledgeable. There was a clear distinction between these men, so much so that the king said, I'm not gonna destroy you. I'm not gonna cut your head off for defying me. I'm not gonna put you in slavery in the hole. I'm gonna elevate you to a position beside me and standing in front of me that when I need to make decisions, you four are the ones I'm going to. You four are the ones I'm counting on because there's something different about you. There's something special about you. And as the king, I don't know what it is yet. I just know there's something different about you that I want in front of me. And every time the king had to make a decision, he looked at these men and their comments and their interaction and their suggestions suggestions to him on what he should do militarily, strategically, and within the kingdom was found to be 10 times better than every other man in his kingdom. These four men couldn't do that by themselves. They had no wisdom or knowledge that came from books that they were studying because they were enslaved. They had no ability to be stronger because they weren't given the meat and potatoes everybody else gave. And if the Israelite people needed a reminder, if they needed to be reminded throughout the course of the next part of their history, if God is faithful, all they had to do was to look in this moment and see what God did for these four young men. That it seemed to be impossible when they faced this moment of reckoning, they didn't know what was gonna happen or how they were gonna make it through. That God gave them a grace and made a way where there seemed to be no way. They chose to be faithful to him and he chose to be faithful as well. And for us, if we ever need to be reminded if God is faithful, if he'll come through when we need him most, all we have to do is look at that cross, that cross that bears the burden for me, where Jesus himself died in my place, which is what 1 Peter 2, 24 says. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and then in turn live to righteousness. And by his wounds, by his stripes, you and I are healed. And if we ever needed a reminder of God's faithfulness, even in the reckoning, even in the moment of decision, all we have to do is look at the cross that brought and bought our freedom. All my dead left redeemed. I'm no longer a slave to my sin anymore. 
Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I won't bow to the things of this world. And I know I will never be alone. You'll be another in the fire. Standing next to me. You'll be another in the water. Holding back the sea. Should I ever need reminding? What power set me free? It's a grave that holds nobody. Now that power lives in me. It says, All my debt left for dead, buried beneath the waters. And because of that, I am no longer a slave to my sin. See, Jesus took that burden and that weight of my sin, and he literally grabbed it by the neck, and he held it underwater. And he held it deep underwater until it ran out of breath, and there was nothing of life left in our sin. There was nothing left in there that could overcome us or overtake us or destroy us or hold anything against us. Jesus literally drowned our sin deep under the water. And so that you and I aren't a slave to it anymore. So he buried that sin. And when he comes back up, when it comes back up out of the water, when he brings things back up out of the water, he brings life where death used to reign, which is what Romans chapter 6 verse 4 says to us. For us who have faith that we were buried, therefore, with him in baptism, we were buried deep into that death because of the sin that existed and lived in us. We were held under that water in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And so when we get baptized, when we have faith and trust in him, he puts us or we put under the water and that being under the water symbolizes having no breath and having no chance for life so that we are strangled. Our sin is strangled and it is brought to death. And when you and I are brought up out of that water, it's a symbol of the death being buried so deep that it has nothing to hold against us. And then when you and I are brought back up, back up out of the water, we are brought to life because of the power and the grace of God. So the song continues, there was another in the waters holding back the sea. So Jesus holds that water back from us and keeps it from overtaking us and overwhelming us. Because left under the water by ourselves, we would suffocate and die. But because of the power of Jesus bringing us and raising us up, we have new life and freedom in him. There's another moment, a moment of reckoning for the people of Israel in their past. A moment where they stood between an immovable object and a powerful army coming after them and they did not know how God was gonna come through. And in Exodus chapter 14, it says, God commanded Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. As they stood in front of the Red Sea and they had no way to go around it and the Egyptian army was coming after them. God commanded Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. He continues, and the people of Israel, where there seemed to be no way, the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and to their left. And the Lord says to them, I will make a way, Isaiah chapter 43, I will make a way. 
where there seems to be no way, I will make a path in the mighty waters. And I will make a path through this reckoning that you're called into this moment of decision, into this step of courage, into this moment of faith. And so it's in the this power that you and I live, it's in this freedom that we have been given, not that we have attained for ourselves, but that God has given us in the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so these four men stand in that faith and they stand in that courage. They have a new position in life because of their faith. But then things begin to change for them. Things begin to draw in closer and this step of faith has put them under fire yet once again. And the song says, and should I fall in the space between what remains of me in this reckoning, either way I won't bow down to the things of this world. And going back to Daniel and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king Nebuchadnezzar after a period of time creates this image and this altar made of gold, this huge statue. And he commands everybody, literally calls everybody from every position and every place in the region and of life. And he calls them to out into this valley where he had established this image. And he said, when you hear the horns, when you hear the trumpets and the lyres, when you hear them blow, everybody has to stop what they're doing and get on their knees and on their face and bow down to this image that I have created. In verse uh, 5 and 6 of chapter 3, it says, you are all to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And so here are these four young men, really three, because Daniel's not a part of this section of the story. Here are these three young men. They had stood for their faith, and God was faithful for them because they didn't want to eat the king's food. But this isn't about eating food anymore. This is about another larger moment of reckoning and decision. Because everybody else in the land feared the king. And had a fear of him enough that when the trumpets blew, they were bowing down. And only three people were remaining standing. And of course, in that type of kingdom, King Nebuchadnezzar heard the word very quickly. And he calls these three men who he had put into a position. See, their step of faith, their step of courage had gotten them and gained them a position. And sometimes in our American culture, we use our faith in a pragmatic way that if I do this, I'm going to get something in return. If I stand for God, then everybody else is going to believe me and trust me because that's what we do in the South. Maybe I don't fully trust in him, but I'm going to pragmatically show up at church consistently so that I can expand my networking ability so I can grow my business. Or if I just put faith in God, it might help me get my wife back. If I act like I'm showing up, it might help me get this position in life. And when that reckoning comes, all pragmatism disappears and you and I have a decision to make. Do we really have faith in God? for who he is, or did we simply trust him for what we thought he could do for us? And so these young men were forced to make another decision. And King Nebuchadnezzar comes to them and says, explain to me, I'm gonna give you a chance, I'm gonna show you grace. Explain to me why you won't bow down because I need you to bow down. And in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer the king, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They were slaves speaking this way to a king. We don't have to answer you. You're not in charge of me. You don't control my destiny and my future. Sure, you may take my life physically, but I'm promised something greater than that. And so they said to the king in verse 17, they said, if this be so, if you have to throw us in the furnace, 
then our God whom we serve, he will be able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. Whatever that reckoning is, whatever that decision is, whatever that moment is, whoever that person is, our God will deliver us out of your hand. And he will rescue us and he will save us. This is where faith is separated from pragmatism. Because in the next verse, this is what they say, even if the reckoning comes for me. But if not, if God chooses not to deliver me in the way I had hoped and planned, King, you need to know this, that we'll not serve your God and we will not worship your golden image that you have set up. That even if our God decides to let us meet this reckoning and this reckoning take everything from us, we're still not going to bow down to you. Because our faith and our hope and our trust is not in the things of this world and it's not in you. It is in our God. And so the song continues. It says, I know I will never be alone because I know that there will be another in the fire standing next to me. I know that whatever decision I make, whatever courage, step of courage I take, I know I'm not going to do this by myself. I know I can't do it by myself. So my faith in him has grown to the point that I need him, even if he chooses not to deliver me, not to solve this, not to fix this in the way I hoped or the way I'd planned. And I am standing in that fire and I am thrown right in the middle of it. I know I don't have to fear because I'm not, I know I'm not alone in this fire by myself. And so the king is furious. He demands and commands the, the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than it normally is. And he commands for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be thrown into the fire, killed instantly. And the fire was so hot that the men who were taking them to the furnace were burned to death just by getting close enough. And so they get tossed into the fire in verse 24 and 25 as everybody's watching because this is the king's moment to say, I'm in charge, I'm in command, I'm the king, everybody will worship and bow down to me as they look into the furnace and they're waiting to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego simply turn to ashes. Verse 24, it says this when they looked. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not throw three men bound into the fire? And they answered him, oh yes, true, oh king, we did. We threw three men in the fire. And the king stood up and he said, well then answer me this. Why do I see four? Why do I see four not bound but unbound? And why do I see four not in ashes but walking around in the midst of the fire and they're not even hurt? And why do I notice that the fourth of these has the image of the son of the gods? Why do I see four men? And when you feel buried under the weight of pressure, when you feel so drowned under the heaviness of the moment and decision, and when you feel like your heart and your life is simply on fire, you can have faith that there will be another in the midst of it with you. I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as a space between lips thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between.
this is why you and I can have faith. As the song says, I can hear the roar in the heavens and the space between wears thin. The space between our physical life and our eternal life. The space between knowing God in this world and knowing God fully and receiving everything that he has given us an inheritance fully as we are brought home to him. That space is wearing thin so we don't have to worry about the reckoning because what is coming for us is not the reckoning. What is coming for us is our God and our Savior. And Joel 3 says this about him. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel that the Lord is shaking and moving the earth and the grounds and the circumstances and the moments because it doesn't have power and it doesn't have dominion over him, but he alone has power over every circumstance and moment and decision and situation in your life and mine. And Revelation says this about Jesus in chapter 19. Then I saw heaven open, that space wearing thin. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and the one sitting on the white horse was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and he makes War. His eyes are like flame of fire, and his head is many diadems, and he has a name written that, it, that no one else knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, that blood on the cross that he shed so that you and I could have freedom. And the name by which he is called the Word of God from the very beginning that is breathing life into you and I. And the armies in heavens arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. Every circumstance, every reckoning that faces you that you are fearful of. He is striking down every single one of those. And he will rule over them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, this is the coolest thing in the world. On his thigh, Jesus has a tattoo. It says, King of kings and Lord of lords. That Nebuchadnezzar, you are not my king. You are not my God. That fear you do not have a hold on me. That this reckoning moment cannot destroy me because my God, my King, is the King of all kings. He's the King of everything, even my moments of fear. And so because of that, I can feel the ground shaking beneath me as those prison walls that bound me and chained me, illness, diagnosis, broken relationship, doubt, anger, fear, pride, loss, uncertainty, I can feel those walls caving in. Just like for Paul and Silas in in prison in Acts chapter 16. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Their faith never wavered even though they faced the reckoning. And their prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The ground began to shake and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Because there is nothing that stands between us and our God. No decision, no reckoning, no moment, no loss, no diagnosis, no illness, no fear. There is nothing that stands between you and your God. And Paul says in Romans 8, For I am sure of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God, Jesus Christ. There is nothing, whatever reckoning you're up against, whatever fire you have been put under, whatever you feel like you cannot face and you cannot overcome, you do not have to fear because you don't stand alone and the one who stands with you is greater than everything else you'll ever face or know in this life. Thank you.
There's no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. there's no other name but the name that is Jesus who was and is still and will be through it all that nothing can remove him destroy him or overcome him and Philippians chapter 2 says this about him that therefore God has exalted him high and bestowed upon him the name that is above every single name so that the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue would confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of the Father that the one we serve is greater than anything else in life. It says that I'll count the joy in every battle. That's hard to do for us because the fire is hot and the weight of that water is heavy and we feel like being underneath it, we are suffocating. And it seems like God has forgotten us and there is no way out of this moment. But I will count joy in every battle because I know that's exactly where you're gonna be and I don't wanna be anywhere else except for with you. And Moses said that, God said, I'm not gonna go with you in this fight. And Moses said that I'm not gonna go anywhere either because I don't wanna be anywhere that you're not. I wanna be with you and I want you to be with me. And James chapter one says this about our battles, that sometimes we want them to disappear, but sometimes God allows them for our good, one, so that we're dependent upon him, but two, so that he can grow that faith so that we can take those steps of necessary courage that will come at us as we exist in the rest of our lives. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And when we fear in those moments, we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. And Psalm 138, 7 says this, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You protect me because nothing in this world can destroy me. It can take my money, my finances, my relationships, even my physical health. But nothing can destroy me because you're the one who gave me life and you're the one who is protecting me. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand, God, it delivers me, even in those moments of reckoning. And so these three young men chose to stand for God and be faithful. And God chose to stand and be faithful to them. Even in this moment, this fiery furnace that was meant to destroy them was actually a moment of courage and faith that God used to literally change the faith of a nation. In Daniel chapter 3, as their story ends in verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar looked at these young men and he said this, blessed be the God, not the God I have created and have worshiped all my life, 
But blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, who took that step of courage because they had faith that he would stand in the fire with them and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. And this moment of decision, this moment of reckoning and this step of courage didn't just show and display their faith. It changed the faith of a man who did not know or believe in God, which changed the faith of a nation for at least a period of time. And you and I stand in those moments and those fires and those difficult seasons of life and we can choose to step forward in courage or we can choose to step back in fear. And every single moment is a decision, a choice of reckoning. And God says, if you take that step of courage, I promise I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I know you're fearful of that, whatever is coming after you, that you may be standing alone or you may be burned alive or you may drown under the weight of it and you may lose everything you thought was dear to you. God says, I'm greater than all those things. And if you ever needed to be reminded of your faith, if you ever needed to be reminded of my faithfulness to you, all you have to do is look at the cross. I buried my own son so that the sin that entangled you could be buried with him. And when you trust in him, he brings you up out of that tomb where there is no body, that grave that does not hold our Savior. He brings and breathes life back into you, even if you stand in the fire. He says, I'll be with you. So I want you to stand with me. And I know you have that moment of reckoning for you. I know you have that decision, no matter how small or how great it might be. One of the things that you can know is that that reckoning is not greater than your God. One of the things that you can take hope and faith and courage in is that when you decide to walk in faith with him, he says that whatever you face, I'm walking there with you. I've actually already gone before you. I've experienced it all and I've overcome it all. And so you don't have to be fearful, even if you're thrown into the fire or find yourself there in this moment. All I'm asking is that you just take a step of courage. And as you face those battles and as you face those trials, I will teach you to remain steadfast and not cower in fear. And as you remain steadfast, I will continue to grow your faith working in you and working out of you so that you're left lacking nothing. So in this life, I am perfecting you and growing you and shaping your faith. And so it's in those moments we can sing and we can celebrate and we can hold true that no matter what comes for me, no matter the reckoning that faces me, my God is there with me and my God will overcome. And so I want us to sing this song again, not out of emotion, based on the truth of who God is, founded in his word, of what he has done and continues to do and will do for you. This is a moment of decision and reckoning and declaration and courage and faith that no matter what faces me, I will remain faithful to my God because he has been and will continue to be and always be faithful to me.